Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by the Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the gaming industry. Visit us online at IndieGame.Business to learn about our online digital events. We have some amazing sessions with people in the gaming industry, and you can participate for free and purchase inexpensive passes to our industry-leading business-to-business system. Now, here we go, Indie Game Business. Everybody, welcome back. We have been saying for the last two days how much we appreciate our friends at Tripwire Presents for helping us grow and do all the lovely things that we love doing. And next up, we have Brian from Tripwire Presents. He's the publishing director, and he's going to be walking us through how to prep for Steam Next Fest, which I know is something near and dear to all of our hearts. So, Brian. Take it away. Awesome. Yeah, thanks, Jay. So, hey, uh, my name is Brian. Uh, I'm the publishing director at Tripwire Presents. Today, I'm going to tell you kind of a little bit about our saga of participating in Steam Next Fest, uh, what we learned, all the things that we will be taking with us into the next one that we want to participate in. Uh, and, and basically, it's going to be focused on kind of like our expectations versus what actually happened and, and our learnings. And uh, to get it out there, even though Tripwire has been around for a long time, this was our first NextFest we participated in. And uh, so uh, who is this talk for? Uh, well, a couple things. Uh, I'm not an expert on NextFest. Uh, I did read some really good articles by people who are. I'll share some of those in the presentation. Uh, I'm not a producer or a marketer, but I used to be. Um, I have been both of those. And so uh, I, I'm also not a developer, but I, I was kind of adjacent to all of the, the people who were actually doing all the groundwork. And I was there with them the whole time um, uh, for, for you know, those people that are actually doing the running of NextFest. So I saw kind of the process as a whole, where we had issues and what we can do better next time. That was that's kind of really the focus here. So if you've done a next fest before and you know the ways to get the most out of it, this probably this chat's probably not for you. Um, this is for people who either haven't done one um, but are considering it, people who don't even know what it is. I'll go into it a little bit, um, or people who have done the next fest and just weren't super happy with the results. And I would say overall, like we kind of fit into that latter category. Um, we will be doing them though in the future and I'll tell you exactly why. Um, I've called this preparing for the marathon because I think it took a lot more kind of out of us than we had initially expected. Um, but uh, I'll, I'll get into all of that. So yeah, so uh, first off, who are we? Who is Tripwire? We've been working with Jay and the Powell Group for a long time, but um, 
we're a team that started off as a development studio and we continue to be a development studio. Uh, we really started publishing titles when we weren't really happy with the kinds of offers that we were getting from other publishers, um, some of the terms, et cetera. And so that sort of spun up Tripwire Presents, which is our group. Um, we only, uh, Tripwire Presents publishes third-party titles like uh, some of the ones I have up here, so Chivalry 2 from Torn Banner, Espire 1 and Espire 2 from our friends at Digital Load, and the game I'll be focusing on today, which is Deceive Inc., which is from our friends at uh, a studio called Sweet Bandits in Quebec City, Quebec. Um, altogether, Tripwire Presents, we're actually only 12 people in our core group, um, but we share resources like our really awesome QA department, marketing, um, our admin groups, uh, we shared those with our internal studio uh, that is working on games like, you know, uh, Killing Floor and Maneater and all those titles that kind of Tripwire is maybe more known for. Uh, <laughs> so what do we do? Yeah, total uh, shameless plug. Apologies for that. We are looking for titles to publish. Um, but this is kind of also to give context, right? So we help our developers with anything and everything that is not actual development, although we do jump into Firefight on occasion. So uh, that ranges from things like funding and production support to marketing, PR, community management, some of the more kind of, uh, uh, let's say, esoteric kind of dark arts of things like price management and first party relations and how to get features and promotions, et cetera, et cetera. So one of those things, that we do is try to plan out and secure promotions uh, like NextFest. Full disclosure, we uh, went into Deceive. We had uh, been, we, we knew about NextFest. We look at it an awful lot, but in particular, we had uh, sort of, you know, shifted some things around on our schedule and we weren't really thinking that we would do it. And we made the decision kind of late. So I'll get into that a little bit, um, but it does uh, impact how well you can prepare obviously um so we'll talk about kind of how that affected us and where we would really recommend kind of you know really just going in as early as you possibly can so what is deceive inc uh first um it's basically it's a very innovative multiplayer stealth first person shooter in the past, we've kind of referred to it as a first-person shooter with social deduction elements. Um, we have lobbed the name among us around when we've been talking about it. Um, there are elements that are, you know, you could look at it, you could say, oh, I've done that in other social deduction games, but it, it, is, it is very different. What we really like to point out um, is that it, it kind of is and always has been what we call a different kind of extraction shooter. Um, I'll show you how it's different in just a little bit. Um, so it has really unique elements, but at its core, you are playing as a, 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 you know, a single person in a map trying to get a thing and get out. Um, it's coming to uh, PC, Xbox, Series X and S and PlayStation 5 on March 21st. So gosh, is that uh, 12, 11 days now? Uh, which is, you know, as you say it out loud, really insane. Um, but just to call out here, so here, you know, we have our websites here if you want to check it out or learn more about it. But um, 
most importantly, um, you know, the folks at Sweet Bandits, this has been something they've been working on longer than us. It's been a, a passion of theirs, something that um, they've built. And, and uh, let me just show you a little bit about it. So. All right, um, little video here. So how is Deceive Inc. a different kind of extraction shooter? Everything works well, this will play. So not full screen or anything, but just to give you an idea of kind of what you're looking at. So uh, this is the game. The primary mechanic that makes the game different is the cover mechanic. So you play as one of these eight different spies. Um, you work for a, a, a private corporation called Deceive Inc. Um, and they have a complete monopoly over the international espionage market. And so um, you're working with other people from Deceive Inc. to try and accomplish a goal. So as these spies, you can use uh, your holographic watch to turn into literally any NPC that you see on the map instantly. Um, that uh, is, it, it just sets the tone for everything, right? So it has obviously shooting mechanics like you just saw there. Um, you know, it, it, it is an FPS. It is a competitive multiplayer FPS, but that key core element is what makes it very different and also kind of what contributed to some of the things that we saw happen uh, during NextFest. So um, you can also take a variety of upgrades, uh, one of which allows you to change into kind of inanimate objects. You saw that plant sliding around up front, um, uh, mannequins, toilets, you name it. There's a lot of different things that you can change into. Um, and then while sneaking around and trying to look like an NPC, like doing your best part acting, um, your object, uh, the, the thing that you're going after is trying to recover a special object contained in a briefcase. So once you get that briefcase, your location is sent out to all of the other players, but you gain the ability to see through their cover by burning intel, which is, as everyone knows, kind of the most precious resource of any spy. Um, and uh, and it, it kind of changes the balance of the game. So it has multiple phases. Um, I'm, I'm not going to make you sit through this video, but like I, I, the, the main thing here is to look at kind of, hey, this is a complicated game. It has lots of different elements and a lot of different things that you can do. Um, and so, you know, right off the bat, people look at it and they see, okay, hey, shooter or, you know, maybe social deduction game. There's so much more to it. And that is some of the things that provide us with some challenges during NextFest. So, um, yeah, it's a, this is kind of just a supercut of some of the awesome moments from past playtests. And as you can see, it's fun to watch, right? Like that, it's great for streaming. That is something that we want to leverage. So we thought, let's get into NextFest. All right, so... Um... Really quickly, for the uninitiated or people that are just kind of like, oh yeah, I've heard about it, but I'm not exactly sure. So what is NextFest? Um, it's, uh, Val says, you know, they say, uh, I think I took this from the latest site, it's uh, seven days, hundreds of demos and hours of live streams. Um, if you haven't heard about it or haven't checked it out, haven't watched a bunch of streams on it, um, it's a week-long promotion where Steam features unreleased games with demos. And that last part is really important. Your game has to have a playable demo to be featured in NextFest. I'll go into a little bit about kind of what that means. Uh, Valve promotes these games in like really high visibility locations. So on the website, in the app, they have front page placements. They have rotating list of titles being streamed. If you get in early enough and or have a 
you know, good relationship. Um, you get features, you get in their uh, featured streams. Um, there's a lot of um, lists that are out there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and such. So there's just a lot of places to gain visibility. That's the most important thing. And we're talking about visibility. It's obviously important to understand the scale. Uh, there's an estimated 120 million, I, you know, looking it up and confirming the numbers before that, you get estimates that are 300 million and you know, 60 million or, or whatever. I, I settled on 120 million because um, that seems, uh, you know, it's a substantial number. Um, it's, uh, it, it, it's a lot of people, but most importantly, it's people that are interested in buying games, right? So it's what we would call on network or on platform. It's the best people that you can find right so it is a fantastic way to get that visibility um not necessarily for free there is no direct cost to be clear um but there are actual costs that that you can or will pay um and so we'll cover that a little bit um the next one is going to be running from june 19th to the 26th um as a side note um if you're a publisher like us looking for titles to publish uh Obviously, it's a fantastic way to check out a bunch of games, get a sense of what people think of it. And we'll talk about kind of how we gauge that for ourselves and kind of where the interest comes in. But uh, you know, one question that I thought I'd put up is what isn't NextFest? <laughs> it's not easy. Um, it's like a marathon. So it, it, it is awesome. And even if you uh, can't do every single thing out there or every you know you read a bunch of articles and you get a laundry list of all of these things that you want to do um, even if you can't do all of those it's still worth doing and uh, we'll get into a little bit of the why on that okay so uh what do you get out of participating in nextfest like why do it um first off i should totally disclaim there's no guarantee you'll actually get anything meaningful, right? You have to put in the work to get it uh, to get it done. You have to uh, take advantage of all their systems that they have and, and make sure that things are set up correct, correctly. Um, so you don't really get anything just by participating. Um, and it is tough to get right. But if all you can do is dedicate elbow grease to it, even if you don't have actual dollars to drive into advertising or promoting or streaming support, you can still make something of it. Um, you may get a few hundred wish lists. You may get a few thousand kind of impressions. Uh, those would be obviously kind of on the lower end, but you can get tens of thousands of wish lists or millions of impressions. Um, and so, you know, that's all a possibility, right? It all is dependent on kind of like how you handle it. Putting up a demo and being present is the, the bare minimum. There are so many things that you can do to make sure that you gain all of the visibility possible. So how do you measure success? Um, we focus on three main stats. I'll get into the third on the next slide. Um, impressions, right? Um, just getting eyeballs on the game, consideration to purchase, uh what we know uh, i talked about a little bit up front and this is kind of why i showed you a little bit about deceive it's a it's a very different game a very unique game we also know that it is a deep game with a lot of mechanics that can promote discussion uh theory crafting community get people to talk about who their favorite spy is minus larsen uh that's kind of known um you know it's uh there's a lot to it right and so you can have one of those games where just like games that we love to play as gamers on our own time 
you know, it, it, it could take some time to grasp, but there's depth there. That's one of the most important things that we'd like to see is that there's depth to the game and there are things that um, can cause discussion, can uh, get people onto Discord to theorycraft and talk about, hey, which gun mod am I going to take? What What's the meta gadget um, sort of selection and those kind of things. But it does take a minute to grasp. So we really wanted people to just see it and get exposed to it because it takes time for people to build up that consideration. Uh, you know, uh, maybe you've read some things that say people need to see it three times before they're willing to purchase or four times, you know, that kind of thing. We wanted to get as many of those impressions as we could. Um, followers, um, obviously this is this is this was the tertiary goal for us to be honest, but when you follow a game on Steam, you get all of the updates that your settings allow. Um, we didn't expect a lot of these but the people that follow your game um, and actually click on follow are likely to become your biggest fans because they get all of the notifications about things that you're doing for your game, both before and after. But sort of what we wanted the most was wish lists. Why? Um, <laughs> there are a lot of really good articles out there on uh, things like wish list conversion rates, how to get wish lists how wishlists affect your game overall. Um, there's some really good reading. I've linked some of them below. I know that they are really small. DM me and I will send them to you if you can't find them just on Google. Um, but let's just say this, um, wishlists are one of the best direct lines to a purchase for your game, right? So once someone has wishlisted your game, you will have a calculable percent um chance that they will go on to purchase your game and there are lots of different ways of measuring that a lot of people say within the first week some people say within the first year um i chose here to talk about kind of the median of 20 percent which is linked in one of these articles steam has posted some uh older numbers that are lower it regardless some people are going to be saying hey i didn't get 20 percent in the first week um that's totally fine. Some put it as high as 50% within a year. I've seen numbers that say it's as low as three or 4% within a week. What we know is there are a lot of factors that affect it, but there are no, there, there's no argument that a portion of those players go on to purchase your game, right? So just to make sure everyone kind of understands, hey, you know, why are wish lists a thing? Why was it that you know a few years back you saw folks like Square Enix running a ton of Instagram ads just asking for wish lists. Um, it's, it's a really low uh, barrier for entry for a player just to click on that. Um, and, and uh, you know, the, the whole thing about being certain that people will purchase it, like, why is that? Well, assuming that you have it enabled uh, and people can change their wishlist settings, but I think by default, it shows you uh, all these things. Um, you get notifications in a bunch of different places. When the game is released, you get a notification when the go game goes on sale for 20% or more. I'll show you some examples of that. Um, and, and those things happen kind of continuously over time. So, but maybe most importantly, uh, Valve has said, and this was uh, taken, this quote here on the right in purple is taken from Steamworks. Um, Valve has said that wish lists affect your game's overall visibility. So wish lists can be an important factor in determining where your game appears on Steam. So we may not know um, exactly how the magical algorithms on the back end work, but we know for certain that they've said, hey, this affects your visibility. And we've seen that uh, multiple times on our side. So 
it's something that affects your game's overall ability to attract eyes, which is ultimately the thing that you're after, right? So uh, one of the most important things is that uh, the game continuously surfaces to players. Uh, these are some shots of where I am currently seeing my most uh, my wishlisted games. So uh, on the left in my email, um, I did finally convert and pick up GTFO after years of thinking about it and looking at videos and thinking, man, that game looks so awesome and dark and creepy. Uh, but I never did it. But I got this email. It's like, hey, Brian, um, this is on sale. And I was like, okay. Um, I did it because that email was there, right? And that happens multiple times, right? If it doesn't get me the first time, maybe it'll happen again. Uh, you also get in-app notifications. So uh, whether on your uh, desktop or on the Steam app, like this one that I got here for Astroneer, um, they will show up in all sorts of places and not the least of which on the very right on your actual wish list, which is, I talk about wish lists like they're a, th a thing that, uh, a commodity, but it's obviously still just like the, list of games you want to buy so these come up over and over again all because players took one really simple low barrier entry task right add to wish list you click it it just does it it's an insanely low bar and it just keeps coming back right so um but at this point um you're probably thinking like hey this guy is just way too focused on wish lists and spoiler alert you are right uh i will get to that and kind of the how that manifested and how it affected us. But uh, maybe you're like, hey, this guy sounds like a used car salesman for Valve. Uh, and uh, But now I've worn you down and you're thinking like, okay, okay, I get it. Um, or I already knew this. Um, all right, just tell me what we need to do, kind of what we're getting at here. So, all right, let's get into it. So I'm calling it a marathon. Why am I calling it a marathon? Well, when you say you're going to run a marathon to someone who's never run one, they think you're basically going to run a lot, then carbo load, done. You just put in your time and you can do it uh, if you just dedicate enough time and eat enough pasta. Um, but if you've run a marathon or trained for any kind of running, I've only done a half and that was brutal. I can't imagine what a real one is like. Um, you know that it's not simple, right? So uh, what is it? Um, yes, you're going to run. This is what you really do. Uh, you're going to run. You need to do it based on a tailored buildup plan. You need to map out your diet. You might need to strengthen your core with weight training. Uh, you sure as heck need to learn how to breathe well. That's so weird. Why? Uh, <laughs> so you could do my favorite training technique because I'm still a child and I still laugh at things like this, fartlek. Uh, so fartlek is a, a Swedish method for becoming better at running, uh, where you build things up over time. Um, you need to plan recovery days, buy the right shoes, break them in, remember to stretch, probably tear a muscle, fix it into physical therapy, right? Like you, you, at the end of this, then you're rewarded with getting to eat the pasta. And then if you're lucky, you can run for like four or five hours straight, right? So people think it is so simple, right? You see it, you see a bunch of people doing it and you can do it that way, right? You can just make a demo and just put it up, but in reality to do it right or to get the most out of it, there's a lot more to it. Um, but if you ever ask anyone that's run a marathon, like, hey, 
was it worth it? Even if it broke your body down and it took up so much time, they will tell you, of course. Uh, and, and we're going to basically say the same thing. So enter NextFest. It seems simple enough. You make a demo build. You get it into NextFest, like you do the submission. And then you just watch the wish list roll in. And you're just like, oh, this is awesome. Um, portion of these are, are almost almost like guaranteed purchases. Um, we knew it wasn't going to be that simple. Uh, and kudos, uh, massive kudos to our awesome producers, marketing team, community management, all of our amazing friends at the Sweet Bandits. Um, we knew it was going to take a lot more, but we didn't quite know what. So uh, what? Uh, <laughs> well, designing a good demo, right? Uh, telling people about it ahead of time, crafting a streaming plan, getting your social media together. If you have time, testing your storefront assets, crafting dev posts, making an awesome trailer, coordinating with streamers, getting a schedule for people to be on standby and for things like community support, testing, uh, checking your servers. In our case, we're a live game. And if you're lucky, just like the marathon at the end of it, uh, you might get a few hundred thousand wish lists, right? There are some uh, articles out there that talk about games like Manor Lords. I'll bring that up again later. Um, or in our case, you know, maybe less than that. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit too. But uh, like a marathon runner, we would still tell you, um, you know, it was worth it. And we'll get into kind of why. Um, so, here we go. Um, okay, so I did want to take a second to show you exactly how many people we had uh, actively working on NextFest while it was happening, not even leading up to it, right? So we have more people on the team kind of working on the game than this. But um, uh, this is, uh, I probably missed a few people, but this is like who we got involved in and during that time and who had to kind of duck in, check things out, etc. This also doesn't include... Um, external groups that we use for things like uh, 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 cross-party player, our, our systems that we use outside of the game, et cetera. So, um, you know, some people can do it themselves. Um, I saw some pretty wild streams during NextFest um, of people, you know, hey, just, just doing it by themselves, getting on, showing the game that they've built single-handedly. Um, uh, but that wasn't the case for us, right? We had a, a game that we've been crafting for a long time, Sweet Bandits have been working on this game for years. Um, we really wanted to get the most out of it, and we made it an all-hands-on-deck kind of affair. Um, so let's look at what those people actually did. I will break things down. We'll get into kind of each of these. Um, but these are the main categories. Uh, so preparing the build, harder than it sounds, definitely more distracting than you might expect it to be, especially if you're working towards a tight timeline or releasing soon, getting your store page ready. Uh, there's some huge things that are really important to NextFest there. Getting your live plan together. Streaming is a huge way to get visibility. Uh, and last but not least, getting people ready, available, and on standby if needed. So preparing your team. This is a boatload of information, so I apologize for that. Um, it's really just a, a list of things to think about. I'm not trying to be prescriptive here. There is one thing that you do have to do, which is make a demo. Um, so I highlighted that at the end. Um, you can just whip up like a single level or a single map. But remember, like players have a week to play your game. So it runs for a week. It's going to be available to them the whole time. And if there's one thing that I think we would have changed 
there are probably a few, but one of them would have been to extend the playtest if we had the opportunity to, to give people even more time to enjoy the game, to consider the purchase, um, to uh, hit the wish list, add to wish list button. Um, so um, thinking about all of it, um, you need to kind of plan. What will you show your players? Uh, I'm not going to go into kind of like demo crafting and, and stuff like that. I, I, that's not me um but you know you have to think about it what will you show them what's enough what's too much uh we ended up um adding an extra map by kind of stroke of genius um of one of our marketing managers and it really helped bring people back that had played earlier next to us bring them back into the game and gave the um uh, some something to the streamers that could they could show off for the first time for folks that were kind of uh that we had coordinated with so um that was really smart and a great thing that happened. And I'll get into kind of like adaptation and how that worked for us. Uh, when it's over, like, how will you turn your demo off? Will you just physically take it down off the store? Will you let people keep playing it if they have it in their library already? If it's a multiplayer uh, game, like, do you need to take your servers down? You've got to think about all those things in advance. Um, and then what will you do in-game to make sure that they remember you? Make sure um, to try to get them into all of your different accounts and, and your ecosystem, um, get them onto Discord, subreddits, et cetera. So thinking about what you're going to put into the game that kind of drives them to those locations. All of this, and then you need to get the demo branch set up. Um, you need to get your game uh, set to coming soon, at least two weeks prior. Um, uh, that's one of the requirements. And if you haven't already released a public build, you need to consider that Valve needs to review the build too. So um, there's documentation on Steamworks about all those processes. Uh, but this is just kind of like, hey, uh, think about all these things for the actual build itself. Um, and then your store page, right? So preparing your store page. Um, you will need to wholly set up your store page. Um, obviously, there you know, are lots of best practices out there when it comes to this, what screenshots should look like, how to make an awesome trailer, et cetera. I, I don't plan on going into all that, but I did want to call out like some specific things in this case, um, genre, uh, and then I'll, I'll talk about tags a little bit too. So genre. Um, uh, why choose it wisely? Like, isn't your genre kind of already determined by what your game is? Isn't, you know, your game is a type of game already, right? Well, yes, but um, which ones uh, you set, determine, and uh, change which lists you appear on? So to be clear, I am not suggesting that you do anything dishonest here. We know like that results in overall poorer performance. It's been shown like lack of relevance um, to people seeing your game, like it's just bad. Also, we've heard of uh, people doing things to raise their visibility, um, like calling your game free to play just because it's a demo and stuff like that. Don't do that. It 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 doesn't end well. And you know, Valve is probably looking at those kind of things and 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 considering that. So pick um, pick your genre appropriately, but. If your game sort of spans multiple genres, you can try changing the primary one and seeing how that affects your visibility. For example, um, we changed ours about halfway through and saw the game appear higher on certain lists, even if those lists have sort of smaller level of interest, um, but they reached a new set of eyes, right? So you can, uh, that primary genre for us is action, you can change it to the other genres that you have so that it can affect where it appears. And in the screenshot, you can see that it, it put us on this list in the bottom right-hand side.
You have got to check out our Discord at discord.gg slash business. It's an amazing community of over 3,500 other industry experts. We've got developers, publishers, marketing and PR firms, investors, so, so many, so many. It's safe and supportive place to network and to talk to experts. You can learn more about the business of games or you can share what you know with others. We have exclusive workshops on perfecting your pitch deck, finding a publisher, and more. Remember, it's discord.gg slash indie game business. To be clear, like if uh, you're, you're doing like a bang up job and like seeing those numbers roll and like do not mess with this, it's probably best to kind of keep it where it is. Um, but if you're not seeing that, be ready to adapt. Um, try to change things. Look at changing your genres on, on uh, maybe not on the fly. I, I wouldn't say do it a whole lot, but um, look at your um, kind of what is coming in in terms of visibility and wish list. See if changing it makes a difference. Um, tags. So this one is pretty simple. Pick 20 tags. Um, let the wizard help you pick the ones, uh, you know, and, and it helps you weight them. So in, in Steamworks, there is the tag wizard. Um, it says you only need to pick five, um, but it, I've read some things and articles that say, hey, the most popular, uh, the most successful games all pick 20 tags. So seems to me like it makes sense. I, I've checked it. There's, um, there's no benefit to picking fewer. Um, and so again, look at other games that are out there that are successful choose the ones that match the successful game because this um, will feed into uh, rounds of visibility. Um, it, it feeds into kind of what is shown um, at NextFest and later too. So your recommended games and your custom store can be based on these. So if, for example, like you make a, a I don't know, a strategy game and you love Total War and you think your game is similar to Total War, it doesn't hurt to mark some of the tags that are very similar to Total War because now if you get a volume of it, those you know uh, people that are owners of Total War will be shown your game or can be shown, I should say, your game in various different places because of the similarity in tags. Uh, again, maybe obvious, but if uh, if you don't pick these, you really are just basically sacrificing placement on lists and ultimately visibility. Um, Tag Wizard's awesome. Um, uh, we we sat down and took 30 minutes to kind of like look over it, make sure we understood kind of like what we we're looking at. These are the tags that we picked. Um, and, and again, pick 20. Um, there's no benefit to picking fewer. Um, so yeah, that's tags. Uh, last on the less obvious store page items is thinking about the small capsule. So your small capsule image is really important. Um, first off, uh, just going to say, if you're a fantasy or a strategy game, uh, like an RTS, just put a beautiful, beautiful vista scene, like a medieval village looking thing. It seems to work every time. I don't know what the, the thing is, but Steam players love that. Um, don't know exactly why, but if it works, do it. Um, for us, we're a shooter. Uh, showing that was kind of a challenge, right? At first, we were going for uh, this sort of hero shooter look that you see on the left here. Showing the characters we felt was really important, showing that you have options, et cetera. But we realized it was really hard to see that this was a shooter because the image that gets probably the most visibility was really small. And this is the now broadcasting. 
list. So this is the most immediate and easily found list uh, where you can be found during NextFest. If you go to the Steam homepage and then you click on NextFest, this is right at the tip top. How you get here is a challenge, but let's kind of assume you will be there for right now, right? You need to make sure the image is eye-catching, works for your target audience, and conveys kind of what game, what the game is in a single image. Um, for strategy or builder games, like I was saying, like that beautiful Vista kind of shot, like works like Show a Castle, some forest, people love it. Um, but we changed ours about halfway through. Um, we used a stronger image in terms of silhouette, readability, and a, a, a very more, a much more prominent sort of gun uh, that showed that it was a shooter game, right? And that's Larson, my favorite spy. So uh, that's uh, one image that I would really pay attention to. It's your small capsule. Um, and then let's look like, hey, where uh, where you'll most likely be seen or maybe the easiest places to be seen during NextFest for um, people who haven't yet wishlisted your game, right? So um, we already talked about this, uh, the image on the right. Um, this is our game featured on a list of multiplayer games, thanks to the multiplayer tag. But where we really focused our efforts were on this one on the left. Uh, that is the now broadcasting list. It's the first thing you see, like I said, on the Steam NextFest page. Um, and, and it's really important. We'll talk about kind of what it takes to get there, how it, how it's built. Okay. So, uh, the now broadcasting list is actually seems two lists in one. Um, it's two descending order lists of games and their number of concurrent viewers, uh, for their storefront streams. So uh, on the top of the list of promoted games, uh, uh, the top of this list is the list of promoted games. And then directly below that are the ones that aren't promoted at that time that are still streaming. So you must stream from your storefront page to be on this list. And it's, again, it's the first thing you see. So in theory, to get the most out of NextFest, you kind of need to be streaming for 24 hours a day for seven days. What? That sounds insane. Uh, we can't have people doing that. Sure. But totally, totally makes sense. Rest assured, there's some kind of things you can do to get around that. But, um, but first, let's kind of talk about the promoted broadcast. But just to make sure I'm being clear with the example on the right here, it's a it's a stack of descending order in terms of number of viewers. And then it goes below that promoted broadcast. It becomes a second descending order list. So you're going to be in one of those two lists, depending on whether or not you're promoted. Um, uh, promoting your stream at the time. So this um, shows four of full uh, four of our full live stream broadcasts that we did, two of which were promoted. Um, this is you know kind of spread across the days of the last one. A few things to glean here. Um, first, uh, why is it that even though our sort of February sixth stream wasn't nearly as strong as our promoted streams, uh, it was a lot but still like a lot stronger than that first February eleventh stream. Um, this is down to when we streamed. So uh, I, I kind of noted this before, there are um, more viewers on the first day and far more overall viewers on that first day than any other day of the festival was something that we know is just by looking at numbers. So getting in early, we talked about this. Um, if you can pull in viewers, it's likely to yield more viewers than the same stream at a later date. So the earlier you stream, if you can break through the, the sort of uh, the very the the list of streams there, then you have the potential to pour more more pull more eyes in, and that's because you know day one of Nexus people are just looking at it like crazy, right? Um, second, um, 
thing to glean here, our first promoted stream had far fewer concurrent viewers than our second. And that is because our second stream, we worked with a dedicated streamer by the name of Kryken. Uh, he streamed directly to our page, which attracted his regular fans. It was an awesome thing that our, our marketing group um, pulled off, something we pivoted on. Um, and more than anything, we saw like the biggest uptick in viewers, um, uh, which you know really converted to the highest overall uh, peak and impression. So key takeaways here, stream as much as you can, um, stream early and stream with professionals if you can, and look into restreams and kind of how to do that and what you need to get it out there. So um, getting this out there up front, just to say it, our team was awesome. <laughs> uh, definitely one of the things that really went well for uh, uh, went well was A, that we had a plan in place and B, that we adapted that plan multiple times. Um, as for who we streamed with, we uh, you know definitely will look to work with pro streamers from the start, lock them in early, well before next fest. Um, focus in, on showing gameplay, but also mix in interactive elements. We did giveaways and um, asked questions and interviews, all while gameplay was going on in the background. Um, we'll stream early in the morning. There are lots of streamers that are online from Europe early in the morning and then early in NextFest. And next time we'll probably do it uh, day one. Uh, you can choose to ignore me saying that so that we can be there on day one. But no, that's uh, that's just a, a, we really noticed that the, the number of viewers overall just trended downwards overall. So we wanted to get in early. Um, and then set up those restreams, right? So something that uh, keeps, uh, keeps the streams in previous previous cuts kind of going constantly is is critical. Um, so yeah, so who to stream with, what to stream, when to stream and promote, where to do those streams from, and why not look at some of these things like social posts and contests and giveaway interactive streams will help. Um, when I say uh, that we adapted, uh, this is where we started in terms of our streaming plan. Uh, is is where we ended. Uh, so uh, for all those items in white, uh, these are ones that uh, we saw an average position on the second order list, right? So we were not promoting them. We were on the second list. Um, uh, but we were very happy with that. We got a really good position when we were doing it. Um, and the really big thing here that's uh, not really reflect is we adapted and created like edit cuts got permissions to re, uh, permission to restream from other streamers to keep content fresh ultimately ended up with this kind of massive repository of footage that we could stream which is great so overall kind of next time we will probably plan a bigger stream schedule from the start and be ready um, with all of that footage up in advance right like creating cuts and interviews and things that we can put up um, so the results, this is uh, looking at um, just viewers from our uh, Steam storefront stream. So to be clear, this is only from that effort. This does not include anything that was going on over on Twitch or YouTube or anything like that. Um, but we really tried to focus in and around here. Um, where did we want to be? Honestly, we saw games that we felt we should be competing with, um, well over kind of like 10K concurrent viewers. Um, we do believe this is kind of partially due to the momentum that they gained by going really early, which is, again, one of those key lessons we learned with their promoted streams, and then partially due to the content being something that Steam gamers, like specifically NextFest viewers, are more attracted to. We know RTS games are a, a huge draw there. 
Um, but with the changes we'll be making, we know we can get uh, we can do better next time, um, and we can get much closer to that goal, and not just by dumb luck, but by planning. Um, one thing that really helped us uh, was going in knowing that it was going to need around-the-clock coverage, um, so we were able to split that up to avoid any burnout. Um, we knew who was going to be responsible for what. In some cases, we had things that others uh, didn't need to worry, uh, don't need to worry about for things like single-player games, so like banning. But um, we had a tough experience in a previous playtest, and it made it hard. And so at this point, we had already, I think, two or three other playtests under our belt. We kind of knew what to expect for our game in particular. Um, but all in all, kind of setting up the times, outlining who was covering what. Um, this was our awesome community team and our uh, friends at Sweet Bandits um, kind of at their finest. It really, really paid off. Um, get help, too, right? If you need some support, there are groups out there that um, can lend you folks that can handle community support and know how to be professional. So how do we do? <laughs> Let's look at that. Um, well, I'll lead with something that was a little bit, if I'm being honest, a little disappointing for us. Uh, we sort of had it in our heads that Wishlist was the thing to focus on in participating in NextFest. We'd read a bunch of articles. We saw that games from some of those links I had showed earlier, like Manor Lords did something crazy, like 340,000 Wishlists or something in last October's NextFest. We had read that games that were good, but maybe not quite like at the Manor Lords level, we're pulling in like 40,000 Wishlists. So to be honest, we kind of felt a little cocky. We know Deceive is a good, unique game. It has all these elements. It's watchable, et cetera. We thought, you know, something like, you know, 100, 131% totally possible or 30,000, um, you know, in the back of our heads, we had kind of like, okay, hey, 100% growth, at least in my back of my head, 100% growth of our wish list numbers kind of, yeah, it's, it's possible. It's going to happen. Um, but it didn't. And uh, so, unfortunately, what we ended up with was actually only 16% growth in our wishlist numbers. But the main thing to say here is not to only look at their wishlist numbers. We had this, I think, wrong, or I had it wrong. I was really narrowly focused on this. And where it would have been really awesome to see these numbers go up because we know that they convert at a consistent rate into purchases, there are other bits of awesomeness that we could look at. So almost 1.5 million impression, impressions on our games, 55,000 visits to our store page. All of these are people who have sort of hit their first consideration point. Now have had several weeks and lots of footage and streams that they can do their research on and finish that consideration, right? Decide if they're going to purchase off-platform benefits like press coverage. So these are just some snippets that our um, marketing and PR team pulled together. All of these translate into support for all the other platforms that are not on Steam. Some of these actually happened before when we kind of announced participation, um, but you know it benefits our other systems like PlayStation 5 and Xbox. So um, you know that's really, this is beneficial all around. And we wouldn't have gotten it if we weren't really actively taking part in that. And then maybe most importantly, um, Twitch coverage, right? So um, outside of Steam, where, you know, it, it, it's obviously where a lot of people, or most people, I should say, go to kind of view these sorts of things. And they can't wishlist it in Twitch. But we had, because of what we were doing, 307 Twitch streams off-channel with over 32,000 hours in viewer, viewer hours. Um, and the cool thing about this was that even though we had 
really fantastic streams um, from folks like Blurbs and Kriken. We also had a lot of streamers just getting into it on their own. And uh, even if they had smaller viewership, it kept coming back, which we really liked seeing. Like um, it really reinforced that what we had achieved was what we had kind of set out to do, what the bandits had set out to do, which was make a game that is both fun to play and fun to watch. And so it kind of reinforced that. We would have loved to have seen these numbers get higher, um, but you know, it, you know, uh, what we did see was a lot of participants, um, not just one or two, but people, people jumping in and choosing to do it on their own. Um, so was it worth it? Uh, Yes, <laughs> and why? Um, that overall visibility uh, to the game, Twitch streaming support off-platform, giving us visibility into, you know, giving uh, visibility onto our other systems, impressions on the store page, and, and most importantly, like those learnings, right? How to do it better next time, um, where to expand our planning. We learned what people liked about the game and what people didn't like, and that's already had an impact on some of the changes that we're making moving forward to the game itself. So what we did right, uh, we really supported the game, whether it was from broad server um, uh, support, making sure that people, if it took off, could get in anywhere. Um, our community uh, management, our oversight of the, the players and making sure that we were ready to um, kind of work on cheaters and stuff like that, um, preparing our team. Everyone knew what they were doing in advance. Um, we had plans for that. We built a streaming plan. And I think probably the most important things is that we changed our plans on the fly. So we added restreams. We added more live streams. We improved the metadata going into it. And so these were things that, you know, we didn't know what we were going to do, but we focused on NextFest. We took the time to put our team's attention there. And where we saw things kind of like maybe could be better, we took action right away. Um, so yeah, what will we do differently next time? Um, submit it as early as possible into NextFest so we can get on Valve's radar. Um, build an even more robust streaming plan. Um, we'll promote our broadcast earlier in the festival. I think that is something that will help us gain traction, uh, more traction earlier and help us last a little bit better. Um, we'll plan restreams from the start. That is something that um, our community manager, senior community manager pulled off. Like, like uh, we wanted to do, we kind of knew about it. We had to go get like equipment and stuff like that, but we did it, right? And so um, we'll promote our involvement in NextFest earlier too. Um, get that uh, streamer support kind of plotted throughout. So not just us streaming, which we also did, but looking at other streamers that might want to support the game, kind of working with them and then run our demo longer. So that was um, <laughs> running the demo longer is like not just a way for me to kind of tie it back to a marathon, but um, is a serious lesson learned, uh, something that uh, we will likely do whenever we possibly can. If you notice in that last graph, it was trending upwards at the end. Um, that was partially due to coordination with streamers, but an, another part of that was people genuinely just kind of getting into it and and pulling other people into it and having to kind of cut them off because we had decided, um, you know, wasn't great. Um, we talked about um, maybe next time we'll plan to run it for 10 or 14 days if we can. Um, so I think just kind of running it longer would be uh, something that, you know, plan for um, maybe not just the seven days, but maybe 10 so that you can keep people interested. Um, 
this is just a little bit about me. If you want to reach out, um, ask me any questions, I'll be in the uh, IGB um, Indie Games Business Discord uh, looking out for questions and stuff. But uh, you find me on that Discord, um, on LinkedIn. Uh, I have a Twitter account, but I don't really use it. I mostly just use it to reach out to devs that are posting things that look awesome. Uh, and there's our email for um, our publishing group. So. Thank you very, very much for hanging with me through all of that. And uh, it was uh, great to be able to talk a little bit about our learnings from NextFest. Well, now we got questions, Brian. <laughs> hey. Now the good stuff. And we've been getting some really amazing questions where the question will be asked and then people go, um, so let's see if we got some of those right here. <laughs> um, all right, let's start from the top here. This is from the Discord. Do you have any advice for feeling confident when giving a presentation at an event, particularly if you're inexperienced in the field and find public speaking terrifying? Ah, wow. Uh, extremely relevant. I still do find it uh, terrifying. There are tricks, obviously. Um, I would say the most important thing is start your planning early. Uh, work on your presentation probably uh, weeks in advance if you can and continue to refine. And then when you get there, look over everyone's head that's like the oldest trick in the book but not to imagine people without clothes but look over the tops of their heads when you're doing the presentation that way you don't make eye contact and get psyched up <laughs> you don't you don't want to just stare at one person <laughs> and then just Freak stare at them just the whole time that one person that's an option too yeah so do, is it for you is it some people are more nervous in person than in front of a camera me, man, when it comes in in person, I start sweating and, I, uh, uh, but in front of a camera, whatever, how is it for you? Uh, I would definitely say in person is like a totally different level. One thing that like oddly helps is I, like I did one at EGX where we talked a little bit about Deceive there too. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, Aspire too. um, the lights, right? Like so the lights are shining in your face. So you can't see anyone anyways. Mm -hmm. Boy, that really helped. Is it um, hot in here? Is it just yeah. me? Right? Uh, avoid that coffee. Don't drink an extra cup of coffee right beforehand, maybe. Uh, you're like, I'm trying to wake up, and then you're. Yeah. All right, here we go. This is, this, is, this is a short one. Wish list. Have, this is from Discord. Yeah. Wish list have been a topic a lot during the IGB conference. As a content creator, I had considered its benefits for game devs. Do you have any suggestions on how I can encourage my community to start using wish list as a means of supporting the devs of games they're interested in? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, the, the first and probably most obvious way is if you're building up something like a Discord community or you have an active subreddit that you participate in and try not to uh, be too heavy handed in, like just throw it out there. Like, uh, you know, ask, ask people to share the wish list or the page link and ask them to wish list. It's, it's one of these things that, you know, um, it really does just kind of give visibility, obviously immediately, but then repeated visibility. And then it affects your visibility in places that aren't even on the wish list, right? So having more wish lists brings you visibility, visibility to valve themselves. And maybe they're going to start reaching out to you and talking to you about stuff. So, right. yeah, tell, I just asked community. Do yeah. List, don't. Right? <laughs> if you're streaming, you're playing a game. It's like, you guys like this game? Just go wishlist it. Go yeah, wishlist it. Exactly. All right. Here's a good one. Hey, Brian, this is from discord. Hey, Brian. So here's the thing. Our game has RPG elements, but we're not really promoting it that way. Just wondering if I should add it to the Steam genre now or wait until we get some more reviews. That's that's an interesting one. I, I would say this. If you're 
if your game has RPG elements that are visible on the storefront, and that could be a screenshot. So like you said, you're not really promoting it that way, but you have things that are clearly RPG elements, whether that is a shot of a skill tree or menus that show like a tax selection if it's a turn-based RPG, I would I would go and put it on there. I, I don't know if I would necessarily make it your primary genre. Um, I, in fact, I don't even remember if RPG is one of the options for primary genre, but I would, I would add it. Yeah, I don't think there's a, a problem with it, but do make sure it's represented on the store page in some way. That's good. Here's from Flat Voxel. Flat Voxel has been so active this this conference is amazing. Do you think nice. submitting the demo early is important for single player games too, or made a difference for you due to being multiplayer? So uh, uh, yes to the first thing. And uh, I, I kind of mentioned this, I, I maybe glossed over it a little bit, but we actually decided to participate much later than we should have. And uh, that was purely down to kind of what our goals were outside of NextFest, and then we pivoted and made a change. I would recommend, even if it's single player, do the submission as early as you can. I can't remember if the submissions are, or if the uh, application stuff is up yet, but I would just, as soon as it's ready, I would go ahead. Because there's no, um, getting into early is not going to get you any, uh, not going to hurt you at all, right? If anything, it will just make it present so that more people at Valve or at Steam can see it. So, right. Yeah, good question, right. Flat. And there's a little smiley face right there. Too. Hey, like that. There we go. And uh, that's why I couldn't see that. Uh, there we go. Uh, you got any uh, closing statements? Any closing thoughts? Uh, um, you know, like uh, I've been working on this presentation for the past couple of days. I was running really late with it. And a good portion of that is because we're actually like releasing pretty soon. So, um, you know, it's been it's been quite a journey. It's, uh, you know, Gosh, it's I. I may sound like I'm talking like I know what I'm talking about, but to be honest, like it was everyone else that ran that thing. And so, Sweet Bandits, our team at Tripwire presents people on our internal team that helped us, our marketing group, all those folks. They're really uh, they're the real VIPs or MVPs right. or whatever. Um, but yeah, so yeah, it takes a village. Isn't isn't that what giving presentations is about? Though, sounding <laughs> like you know what you are talking about, right? If you just yeah. say it with authority, <laughs> there you bam. go. Bam. Yeah, that's a good that's a good recommendation. Really, just sound confident. Just sound confident. All right. So what? Let's since we got a couple minutes, let's. Sure. I'm going to ask uh, some personal questions. Like, what what's your favorite game? What's oh your favorite God. game that, that you're playing right now? And then, like, what's your just your favorite game over? Yeah. So my stock default answer to this is still to this day Baldur's Gate. Um, uh -huh. Baldur's Gate one, not Baldur's Gate two, but. Um, that's kind of too easy. What am I playing right now? It's been boy, a long time that I've been playing uh, uh, probably too much Hunt Showdown, but mm -hmm. um, that has definitely been on the list. Um, I've been, oh gosh, now see, now you're going to give me a crack over my Steam library because now i got to look at kind of what's been going on lately. Um, I actually cracked open Valheim again, and uh, that is one that just keeps coming back onto my list and um, you know, I had a group of friends that were playing and they kind of like went off and like, they're like way out into kind of like all the new expansions and stuff and I'm not, but it's still so much fun every time you crack it back open. So mm -hmm. that's been one that has been, uh, what I've been playing lately. 
in addition to too much on showdown if i'm being honest too much on showdown you know yeah. uh the year before last i guess since guys it's been so long now uh children of morta and neon abyss oh man neon abyss i would spend way too much time playing that game because <laughs> i loved it because every time you play it's different but lately i've gotten a little bit back into fortnite a little bit oh, into fortnite. yeah that that, no build that's mode. one that keeps pulling you back yeah yeah that uh gamer composer he says Baldur's Gate, baby. Baldur's Gate 2, baby. <laughs> 2 um, two is good, but it's right. 1. That's 1. Yeah, so like the Fortnite has just been, you know, that no-build mode came out, and I'm like, all right, let's just try it again. Yeah. And then I went from not getting any wins to now it's like, I'm a, are there so many bad people now that I'm getting wins? Or <laughs> that's a, Maybe that's yeah. the case. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. All right, but thank you so much, and thank you. We want to thank Tripwire Presents once again for being just an amazing sponsor. We just love working with you guys. It's awesome. And awesome. up next, what do we got? Oh, we've got Structured for Success with Don Daglow. And that's awesome. coming up next. So thank you so much. Thanks, Andy. Take it easy, everyone. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at indiegame.business.